beautiful, beautiful. Perhaps you heard the story about the frog that wanted to cross the uh, lake, but he didn't have the wherewithal to make the trip. How to go that distance. And uh, as he was thinking about how to get across the lake, he came upon a brilliant idea. There were two birds nearby, and he talked these two birds into helping him. And he convinced each of the birds to hold the, uh, one end of a stick in their beaks so that he could hold the middle of the stick with his mouth. And so the plan was for him to fly over the lake while he held onto that stick in the middle of these two birds, and he would make his trip across the lake. A brilliant idea, a genius idea. So they took off. And a man was out there, and he looked up in the sky, and he saw this scene. Now imagine you're outside, and you look up, and there are two birds flying. They have a stick between them in each of their beaks, and there's a frog in the middle holding on. And the man said out loud, whoa, who came up with that idea? And the frog said, I did. <laughs> our mouths can get us in trouble, can't they? We open our mouths. And uh, they can do much good, and they can also, sad to say, do much harm. Out of the same place comes blessing and cursing. Tony Evans tells a story about a boy who said to his mother, he said, Mother, I love you. And his mother suffered from uh, a self-esteem problem. And he said, How could you love somebody like me that's uh, fat and ugly? And he said, Oh, Mom, you're not fat and ugly. You're fat and pretty. <laughs> Out of the same mouth, one moment we can build up, and at the same moment, out of the same mouth, we can tear down using words. And today we're going to begin a study together, uh, looking at what the Bible says, as you see, about the power of words. And we're calling this series, Sticks and Stones. Do you remember that little saying growing up? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Is that true? Words will never hurt me? No. No. At least you can sometimes and oftentimes heal from being hurt by sticks and stones and broken bones. But millions of people are carrying around wounds from words that were said to them years ago. Words that were said to them decades ago. Words that maybe even in older age, they're thinking about things said to them when they were a little boy or a little girl. But on the opposite side, words have incredible power to bless and encourage. And there are those today who are still feeding off of words of encouragement that they heard earlier in life. Maybe a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a parent or a Sunday school teacher or someone who spoke words of encouragement. Someone who spoke words of blessing into their lives. And as I've been thinking about this whole theme And I've been immersing myself in this topic and theme of the power of words and studying for this series. I've selected a verse of scripture for our theme verse. And I want to encourage you to look at it with me. And I want to encourage you over the coming weeks in this series to even memorize this verse of scripture. I think it summarizes everything we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. And you'll find it in the book of Proverbs chapter 18. So if you've got your Bible this morning, Proverbs chapter 18 will begin there and we'll end up the bulk of our time there in the book of James chapter 3. So if you'll find Proverbs chapter 18. Fellas, can I get the back monitor on please? It somehow got off. James chapter 3 and Proverbs 
Proverbs chapter 18. Now, you know, this past summer, we went through the book of Proverbs, some of the Proverbs together. And you may have noticed as I was preaching through the series, I never mentioned, though the Proverbs are full of it, I never mentioned the topic of speech or words or preached upon uh, that particular uh, verse of, uh, or that particular theme. And the reason why is because I wanted to wait and see together today this idea of uh, Words and the power of words and uh, how words really do impact us. And so here we are in um, Proverbs chapter 18. And uh, there we go. I don't know what's going on with that thing. But Proverbs chapter 18. The book of Proverbs is filled with the idea of words. In fact, one commentator uh, mentioned that in his study, uh, one of his commentaries said the Proverbs list around 90 Proverbs, 90 Proverbs counseling us about how to speak. In fact, the book of Proverbs has more to say about our words than anything else it addresses in our life. It has more to say about words than money, sex or family. And so you see the verse there, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Would you read that with me out loud? Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, this is a powerful reminder of just how important our words are. And I'm going to give you three main thoughts today. And I would encourage you to jot these down. You can use one of those uh, cards in the pew rack in front of you or your own personal notes or whatever. But I'm going to give you three main statements. And these are not abstract statements. Uh, they're not just something over yonder. They all begin with my. And so I want to give them to you. I want you to write them and think about them with me today. First of all, I want you to write down and think about this with me. My words matter. My words matter. And may I say all of them matter. Our words can be used for the greatest good or the greatest evil. The Bible says they're what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the Hebrew, that word there, um, Death and life were in the power is literally in the Hebrew, the hand of the tongue. Imagine if your tongue had hands. It's saying in the hand of your tongue is death and life. Death, of course, referring to that which is negative, life to that which is positive. And I knew from the beginning of this series and preparing it that I wanted us to emphasize both the positive and the negative when it comes to the tongue. A lot of times you'll hear lessons and and sermons of the tongue and it's all about the negative. And we're going to talk about the negative, but I want to talk about the positive as well. But let's unpack that verse, Proverbs 18, 21, real quick. It says there that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it. It will refer back to the tongue. So those who love the tongue will eat its fruit. And what is the fruit of the tongue? It's words. And so what it means here is if you love to talk, those who love it, those who love to talk, those who love the tongue. If you love to talk, be careful. Be careful if you love to talk. I won't ask us to raise our hands because all of you knows the answer, right? But how many here love to talk? Well, don't put your hands up. Some of us love to talk. Well, we've got to be careful, though. Why? Because it says in Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And it talks about there that death and life are the power of tongue. And he who loves it will eat its fruit. In other words, the words that we speak, we have to eat. Proverbs 13, 2 says a man shall eat well. By the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. And so be sure, because you have to eat those words, be sure to speak good things. Now, listen, 
We're going to talk about words in our series together. I'm thinking about talking and speaking and communicating in all of its forms today. Once upon a time, things were simpler. Uh, We had people and uh, we communicated by talking, by writing or typing and by singing. Now, we still do that today. Uh, People are still busy talking, writing, typing and singing. But our platforms have extended and expanded. We're still doing those things. We're doing it in more places and to larger audiences. With the advent of personal computers and the Internet and blogs and social media, our ability to communicate, to, 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 to say words and to communicate words has exploded. So when we talk about the power of words, it's not just the verbal words that come out of my mouth. We're talking about every form of communication. We're talking about the fact that when we're typing a tweet or Facebook post or we're texting somebody or we're talking to somebody or we're singing. However, we're using words. What we're studying in this series applies. My words matter wherever and whenever I communicate them. Now, why do our words matter? Well, we've already learned, first of all, that death and life Or in the power of the tongue. But now go to James chapter 3. And we're going to see specifically why our words matter. James chapter 3. We'll kind of expand upon this. James chapter 3. You can look it up in your Bible. It will also be on the screen in front of you. James chapter 3. And I want to begin by reading verses 1 through 5. James chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. This thing's not working today. Could you, there we go. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now, beloved, we already said so far in our series that our words matter. My words matter. Would you also write down and notice, secondly, that my words are powerful. My words are powerful. All of us can say that out loud. My words are powerful. Now, this is true no matter who you are, no matter how old you are. Your words are powerful. Now, James here in James chapter three, verse one, gives a warning to those who teach, those who preach, those who speak in that kind of setting. Why? Because we're going to answer for our teaching. We're going to answer for our preaching. We're talking to larger audiences and we're talking to a group of people. We'll be held to a stricter judgment. And then in verse two, he moves to something and reminds us of a problem that all of us have. And that problem is we trip over our tongue. We stumble over our tongue. We fail. We sin with our speech. In fact, it says if you had complete control over your tongue, you would be perfect. But none of us are perfect. Is there anybody here willing to raise your hand today? And by raising your hand, you're saying this. You have never, ever, ever in your life messed up when it comes to something that you said. Anybody willing to raise their hand? Anybody? No. All of us have failed in this area. So we better pay attention. We better listen to what uh, 
God has to say, as someone said, watch your tongue. It's, a, it's in a wet place. It's easy to slip. You've got to be careful when it comes to the tongue, when it comes to your speech. Now, notice this says the tongue is small. By the way, the tongue, the organ of the tongue, that's an ugly thing, isn't it? I mean, just be honest about it. You know, I, I know when I go, y'all go to the dentist, you know, they, he'll take that uh, uh, gauze and he'll wrap it around and say, okay, so I'm looking for candy. He pulls that tongue out and, and stick your tongue out the doctor. Let's see what, you know, somebody says, stick out your tongue and look at your soul. Because a tongue tells a lot about a person. And so here it's small, but it's powerful. And James uses three illustrations to show us just how powerful it is. First of all, verse three, mentions a bit, a bit, not a drill bit, but a bit you would use at a horse's mouth. Those that are horsemen, those who enjoy horses. Think about how powerful an animal a horse is. Yet you put that little piece of steel in their mouth, a mouth, and you attach some straps. And you're able to turn the body of this mighty animal, this strong animal that can carry you and do all these things. And the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's like a rudder on a boat. You can take a large vessel, even a humongous vessel. When you look at the... The size of the rudder in proportion to the ship or the boat its small. But what does what does it do? It, it directs the whole boat, the whole ship. It likens it in verse number five to a spark that starts a fire. Think about somebody driving down the road and it's dry outside and they throw out a lit cigarette butt and they haven't quite got all the way down to the filter and they throw it out there. And that little spark can catch and ignite a whole forest upon fire. That little thing, but it can have a tremendous impact and tremendous devastation. See, these little things, these words that we speak, they're so powerful. Like a colony of termites, they can do so much destruction and they can do it rapidly. All of us need to realize and be able to understand that my words matter. My words are powerful. And thirdly, my words have consequences. My words have consequences. We keep reading here in James chapter three, picking up at verse six, James chapter three, verse six. It says in the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and of creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, notice he's writing to Christians, by the way. It's not talking to lost people, Christians. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Now, here in this particular passage, he's emphasizing the wrong use of the tongue, using wrong words. And we're going to see real quickly here that the tongue can be a defiling tongue, a deadly tongue and a double tongue. Let's unpack those three thoughts. First of all, we find a defiling tongue in verse six, a defiling tongue in verse six. Let me read it to you out of a different translation. Here's a new living translation. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire, 
It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Now listen, I don't know how much more stronger you can put that. That's pretty strong. That's that's pretty tough there. In other words, there's hell in your mouth if you choose to use it in that way. The fire of hell set on fire by hell. Literally in the Greek there, Gehenna. Chuck Swindoll helps us there. Hell, Gehenna in the Greek refers to the Hinnom Valley, which runs back then along the south side of Jerusalem. In the days of Jesus and James, residents of Jerusalem stacked all their garbage and filth in the Hinnom Valley where it was often burned. It's as though James were saying, you know, that stinky, smoldering trash dump south of town. Our tongues are just like that. When we start our uncontrolled blathering, the garbage in our hearts are set ablaze. And like the putrid smoke that reminds us that garbage dump is burning in the Hinnom Valley, our tongues let everybody hear the wickedness in our hearts. If we're not careful, beloved, we can literally have hellfire in our mouth. We can use our tongues for much destruction and harm, defiling our lives, corrupting our lives and defiling our relationships. Reminds me of the husband and wife that were driving down the highway. And as they were driving down the highway, they spotted a mule, a donkey, out the window. And the husband looked at his wife and said, there goes one of your relatives. And she replied, yeah, I know, by marriage. (laughs) And the words spoken, they chip away at the relationship. They chip away at the marriage. Just just that word, that jab and a jab back and back and forth. The defiling tongue. Secondly, we find there the deadly tongue in verses seven and eight. The deadly tongue. It talks about all kinds of animals. All kinds of creatures have been tamed. Uh, we went out uh, one time and went to SeaWorld. We enjoyed that. That was a great place to go. And, uh, you know, we saw the, the whales there, Shamu, I guess, or whoever, whichever one's Shamu or the new Shamu or whatever now. And watching those creatures. Or maybe you've gone to the circus and you see the lion tamers or whatever. All kinds of creatures have been tamed. But the Bible says very clearly that no man can tame the tongue. Can you get that picture in your mind? You see a man there with a chair and a giant tongue and he's got a whip there, but he can't tame it. No man can tame the tongue. No woman can tame the tongue. We need help in this matter. We need supernatural help. We need God's help in taming the tongue. Reminds me of the fruit of the spirit. We list out the fruit of the spirit. Galatians. uh, One of them is what? Self-control. And when it comes to the tongue, we need self-control. And that's only brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It talks about it's a a deadly thing, like deadly poison. You know, some people's mouths, I think, are more dangerous than a rattlesnake or a cobra with their fangs and their venom. Why? Think about the history of how words have influenced much evil. Think about the words of Hitler and Stalin and others. By their words have moved just multitudes of people for destruction and for damnation and hatred. Our words are powerful and our tongue can be not only defiling, but deadly. And we need to recognize that. And we need God's help in it. We can't tame it. We need God's help to tame it. But sad to say, it also can be a double tongue. You know what being double tongued is, don't you? Or maybe you say it this way, speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Verses 9 through 12 talk about that. 
that with the same tongue we praise the Lord and the same tongue we curse those who are made in his image. One moment we're singing praise God from whom all blessings flow. Then we go in and we fuss out a cashier at the register. Or we're driving along listening to Caleb, singing along with Chris Tomlin. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are. And somebody pulls out in front of you. And you stop singing with Chris Tomlin. And why do you stop? You stop to pray, don't you? Dear God, thank you for that person that just drove out in front of me. May you bless them. May you prosper them. May you bless their family. Right? Right? See what it means? Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing in the same moment when we're not careful. How easily we can move from blessing to cursing. He illustrates how wrong this is with a fountain. Think about a beautiful fountain. A fountain cannot produce sweet and salty water, bitter water at the same time. I was convicted of this this past week as I read a quote from Oswald Chambers. He said, if a cup is filled only with good water, think about a cup, only good water. It cannot spill even one drop of bitter water, no matter how badly it's jarred. And so it brings back to my mind, what am I filled with? Because, you know, a lot of life when it comes to our tongue is when we're jarred, right? When somebody jars us, when somebody bumps into us, just like a cup filled with water, when we're bumped into by life, whatever's on the inside spills out. He mentions a fig tree and a grapevine. And he mentions how they bear what they are. A fig tree doesn't bear olives and a grapevine, it doesn't bear figs. And yet we as humans, we're a polluted fountain and a confused tree. And we're blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. And we need God's help in this, beloved. And we need to realize that a mouth problem, a speech problem, goes much deeper than the back of our throats. In fact, I want you to understand this truth. If nothing else in this series, and it's this, a mouth problem is actually a heart problem. A mouth problem is actually a heart problem. I want to give you some words from the Lord Jesus. I put the references up there. This is the New Living Translation, Matthew fifteen eleven. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's not what you eat. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then he went on to say in that same chapter, verse 18, Matthew 15, 18. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. He had this to say in Luke 6:45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Listen, what you say flows from what is in your heart. That's what Jesus said. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Put it another way. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And so whatever's coming out up here is coming down from here. It's coming out from down here. It comes from my heart, the inner man, the inner being. And so what do I do if I'm struggling with my speech, if I'm struggling with my mouth, if I'm busy blessing and cursing and defiling and damning and destroying and being double tongued? What do I do as a believer? Well, first of all, I need to confess the sin of my mouth. I need to take my mouth to the Lord and say, Lord, I realize what's coming out of my mouth because of what's in my heart. And I pray your forgiveness and I pray for your cleansing. And then I move from there to surrender my heart, and my mouth to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't tame this. You said I can't tame it. I know I can't tame it. I need your help. 
and you talk to the Lord about it. Now, what I want to do today, and this is just an introductory passage, we're going to look at this for several weeks. What I want to do in this beginning message is encourage you to confess any sin concerning your mouth and your heart, to get that right. And then to ask the Lord's help for the future. And I'm encouraging all of us to do this. And I want to give you a very simple homework assignment today. Now, listen, don't get upset because I say that word homework. You like, ah! No, I want to give you something that will not take any more than 30 seconds a day. Can you give up 30 seconds a day? All right, fellas, you start passing those out. Freddie, you pass those to the choir. I'm going to give you a simple scripture-based prayer. Make sure that you get one of these. Everybody that can read, you need one of these. Everybody, boys, girls, teenagers, adults, everybody, make sure they give you one. A very simple scripture-based prayer. And what I want to challenge you to do is this week, every morning, listen, I want you to take this home and I want you to lay it on your bedside table. I gave you two. Husband and wives, each one of you need one of these. I want you to lay it on your bedside table. And every morning this week, between now and next Sunday, I want to challenge you to do one thing. Before you get out of bed, before your feet hit the floor, before you say anything to anybody, I want you to simply pray this prayer. And do it first thing. Don't wait. Why? How much, <clears throat> how much do we sin with our mouths in the morning? You ever try to get kids ready for school? You ever try to get out to work on time? We, we can, we've got to be careful here. So every morning, I want to challenge you. Before you get out of bed, before your feet hit the floor, the very first thing, if you've got to put on glasses, that's fine. Grab your glasses, grab this card, and pray this prayer. And I timed it twice. It will not take you more than 30 seconds. I average about 20 seconds. Praying this prayer. And praying these simple words. I've got it on the screen. It's kind of hard to see. Maybe but you've got it in your hand. But this is taken from two Psalms. And I put the reference there. Psalm 118, verse 24 and Psalm 1914. And I want to challenge you every day this week to pray this prayer. Good morning, Lord. I like that. I like to say that to the Lord. Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. This is the day that you have made. Help me to rejoice and be glad in it. But that might change your Monday tomorrow, hadn't it? That changed your life. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, why am I asking you to do that? Why? Because we need help. We can't tame our tongues. We can't change our hearts, but the Lord can. And this is giving the Lord's, uh, his lordship over our life, saying, Lord, I want you today to change my life. I want you to guide me. Would you read it with me out loud? Good morning, Lord. This is the day that you have made. Help me to rejoice and be glad in it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Will you take the challenge? Will you lay that beside your bedside? Boys and girls, teenagers, adults, whoever you are here today, would you take the challenge, lay that by your bedside? Every morning this week, take 20 or 30 seconds, grab the card, don't drop it like I did, grab the card and say, good morning, Lord, and ask for his help his enablement to help you 
with your words. Will you do it? Will you do it? Thank you. One of you is going to do it. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. We look at our lives. We think about our histories. Lord, there's not a person in here this morning. They've already admitted it. None of us. That has not failed in some area in our life in regards to our mouth. We know that no man can tame the tongue. We'd be perfect if we could. But Lord, we know that you can enable us. You can tame it. You can help us in these matters. And so, Father, we cry that you would help us. And we ask that you would help us. Father, we've been challenged to take this as a matter of prayer every day this week. And ask for you to come into our life and to guide us and direct us. And help us in these matters. Now, Father, I pray your blessing upon this series. And I pray that it will be a series that will speak life and not death into the lives of your precious people. Be with our mouths. Be with our hearts. Help us to think before we speak. And help us to always speak for the honor and glory of the Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning. Number 446. If you are here today and you need to be saved. We didn't necessarily speak the message directly to you, but the gospel is always here and the gospel is ready for you. The Lord Jesus is ready for you. If you need to be saved, we'd love to help you in that matter. But to the believer, mostly today, and I thought we close this with number 446. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. You know, I remember Warren Wiersbe years ago talking about the fact that people are so busy, they sing, take time to be holy, but they don't take even time to sing the whole song, take time to be holy. And so I got convicted and never can sing, take time to be holy without singing all of it. So we'll close by singing all of 446 today. Let's stand and sing, take time to be holy. The altar's open. You come if God leads you.
speak a blessing from the scripture upon you as we go. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.